The following is a Journeywise Network production. I'm Shane. I'm Ronnie. Ronnie and I have been friends for 40 years on this journey, and so we want you to be a part of it. So grab your mason jar and come join us as we grow Journeywise together. Welcome to Journeywise. I'm Shane Stanford. And I'm Ronnie Kent. And we are so glad you've joined us. Uh, we have so enjoyed being able to share about who we are and helping you get to know who we are and our journeys. But Ronnie, we may want to just pause a little bit and talk about the name of our podcast. It's called Journeywise, and there's a specific reason for that. Um, I uh, used to hear that phrase uh, all the time when I was a little boy. My grandmother would say she'd rather be journeywise, and I would not have a clue as to what she was talking about, but I loved her and respected her. I knew it had to be something really important. Um, but her story was that uh, my grandfather was murdered uh, when she was pregnant with uh, her fourth child, my uncle, Joe. And um, my grandfather was not a nice man. He was uh, a hemophiliac like me, but uh, was, and I'm sure he was in a lot of pain. This was back in a day he when, treated. so he was never probably in a good state of mind. Um, and ended up doing things, I think, to self-medicate and uh, got himself into a situation where I think the my understanding is that the brothers of a young woman that he was messing around with, this is all family history, so I'm not sharing news. Yes, I understand. They, they set, started setting uh, fires out in the woods, and he was the, the park guy. And he went, he said he knew who it was, and he went out and they found him with, uh, he was shot in his truck. And so my grandmother finds herself with a two-year associate degree and uh, three children, one on the way. So she decides to ride in the back of a laundry truck 30, 40 minutes, I guess, maybe longer at that time, yes. to, the, uh, to Southern Miss uh, to go to school. Uh, and she became a teacher, taught for 40 years after that as a second grade teacher. One of the, the best memories of uh, for me growing up is that I went to first grade in the school where she taught. And so I would walk from my first grade classroom at the end of school every day, and I would walk over to her class, and she would have saved. Do you remember they used to give milk out? Oh, in the carton. In the little carton. Yeah. She would save two chocolate milks oh, for me. That's special. And I would drink them as we drove in her Pinto on the way back to the farm. I owned a <laughs> Did you? Yeah. Well, that's a whole other program <laughs> right there. But the thing that, that I loved, Ronnie, was she was such a godly woman. I can remember uh, I got to go to Disney World and spend a day with just my grandmother in Epcot when it wow. was brand new. Yeah. And I was 16 years old. I didn't want to go with my parents and my, my at the time, five-year-old sister. And so I spent it with my grandmother. And that is still one of the sweetest memories I have. I just, I love that woman. She, uh, but she would say, I, I would rather be journey-wise. And so she, uh, she had a rough journey. And yet she said, I want to make sure that even the bad things I've endured teach me something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, really what we're talking about is 40 years of you in medicine and 30 years of me in the pastorate. We hope, I hope, that people learn something from the journey. Sure. Why do you think, when, when, you, when I said journey-wise or say journey-wise, what do you think of? Well, I mean, exactly what you're talking about. I mean, you know, because we get so caught up in events mm. that we don't look at the process. We sure. don't look at the journey, and, and it, it's really... You know, as a kid, what do you look forward to? 
summer and Christmas, you know, out of school, you know, our weekends. And, and that's just the way you, you're kind of wired. And then you start to realize as you grow that you're continuing to do that when I graduate from high school, when I graduate from college, then sure. when I get married, then yes. when I have a... It'll all have to be better. It, yeah. or I mean, it'll some, be perfect. At some point, I'm going to... And you forget the beauty of the journey and what you acquire uh, by l paying attention to every little step along the journey and what God has for each step. You know, I've been blessed because I had a mom and you and uh, a couple of other folks throughout the journey of my life who would remind me not to take certain things for granted. I also had a, a health issue that helped me not take things for granted. But if if there, what is one thing that if someone would have told you, you wish someone would have told you sooner that you learned along the journey? Don't worry about the future. Oh, wow. There's, you, a, you know, there's a lot of people listening that are doing just that because that's natural, I think, in a lot of our brokenness. Well, it, it is, a, it, you know, every, every, the brokenness is the key, mm. you know, the, because everything God intends for good, Satan intends for bad. Um, and so, you know, the more we're able to trust God, the more the future goes away. And because we're we're in the moment, and he wants us to be so much in the moment that we are not distracted from from our calling, from our ministry to the world. Because if I'm worried about tomorrow, the rest of the world around me uh, almost it's not that it's not significant; it almost gets in the way. Wow, that's good. And, and so and so as as if if somebody and I told my children this. I said, please don't worry about the what ifs of life. Don't worry about God has a plan. And he, you know, I tell, you know, what, what animal does he compare us to in the Bible? Sheep, you know, are sheep right? No, you know, and, and, and if he, he, he understands that in a loving way, the, the 23rd Psalm is probably one of the most significant passages Absolutely. in the Bible people know. And I have everything I need. The Lord's my shepherd. I don't need anything. I don't want for I don't anything. Want for anything. Yeah. Because he's going to guide me in the places he wants me to be. And sometimes, you know, I also tell him, I said, you know, as I'm, from my understanding, not being a shepherd, you know, the, the, the shepherd's staff had two ends. There was a front end, a straight end that mm -hmm. he used to walk with and to protect the sheep. But then there was a, a somewhat of a hook, hook end on, yes. that if they kept wandering away, he would hook them, drag them back. Well, I think God uses the hook in on me a lot more than the gentle direction. I did not know until I was actually talking to a person whose grandfather was an actual shepherd in the Middle East that um, that they they can train a sheep to actually work together to stay together, and they can't do much else. They're, they're not particularly smart, but they do kind of congregate together. Yes. And so the the parable of uh, in Luke, you know, fifteen. You know, in terms of leaving the 99 to go look for the one, if he's done his job with the other 99, they'll stay pretty much together. I think we are living in a world right now. When I think back of the situations that I have faced in my life, it's the more I was connected to God and to God's people, the better I was, yeah. just clearly. Yeah. When I would, and, and you and I have talked a little bit about this, you know, I got to a period um, about 12, 13 years ago where I was just dealing with so much of things I couldn't make work out. 
and a part of it was physical, part of it was relational, that I just sort of backed off, backed off everybody, and including you. Mm-hmm. And, and it was tough, you know. I mean, I and, I and so many times during those years, I would want to call and just tell you something that had happened that day, but then shame grows. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the adversary's tools for the journey is that the more he can, the more, because there's, there's, I told someone when I called you for really the first time after all those years, it was like we picked right back up where we left off. And that is the grace of God. But the adversary convinces you, well, it it won't be the same. It'll be different. And, And shame really is, I think, one of the most, if not the most devastating tool he uses. Oh, because shame, here again, by my definition, the difference between shame and conviction, which I think is a is a good thing, yeah. by the Holy Spirit. Conviction says, you know, you're you're a child of God. You're yeah. a good person. You've done a, something that's not good. So now let's let's ask for forgiveness. Let's get over it and get back to where I know you can be. Sure. Whereas shame, Satan's tool, is to condemn you that I'm not a good person. I don't have any hope of doing any better than I'm doing, so why should I try? And nobody's gonna like me in this condition, and so I should just I should just go off and be by myself. Nobody wants to be around me. It is such a, a live Satan. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Hmm. Right, at, right when Jesus says, I came to give you the abundant life, right before that he says the, the, the adversary the, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Troy, yeah. And so that's what he's after. And I think I agree with you wholeheartedly. The primary tool is shame. And I think the adversary actually dresses pride up as, as, as subtle shame a lot of times because you'll say something maybe you've done that you have shame that you can't find forgiveness. But I've also seen people not forgive others and start again because they, they think it's pride or principle, but actually it's, it is that internal shame of knowing that how much Christ has forgiven you, how much he's loved me, and then all of a sudden I can't do that and I know I'm supposed to do that. I've seen so many people in my ministry, Ronnie, when you break it down, they'll get, they're, they're just at a place where they feel like it's too late to forgive. It's too late to start over. And it's never too late to start over, to begin again. No. I mean, it gets somewhat back to that hurting effect of how we're made. We, we need uh, relationships. You know, it's all about the relationship. So we need relationships so we may... We may not forgive. We may move ourselves into a group like that. Mm. I mean, nothing against green or blue hair. I think <laughs> there's some people who it looks, and I'm serious, look pretty good. Uh, yeah. yeah. But, but you know, that is an identifier of a group. But you and I are old. We're old people. And, we, and, yeah. and I have never tried blue hair. Well, you just don't have much well, hair in your legs. And I appreciate that, too. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> Maybe that's why he took it and put it on my ears. Uh, but, but However, if you ever decide to try blue, green, or purple hair, I will be, be the first you. one there with okay, you, supporting great. you. Great. Uh-huh. So, but, but that, that inability to forgive, that, 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 that need to um, stay a- away from one group yeah. pushes you to another group. To another and group. that's why bad groups, I do believe that's why gangs happen. Yeah, oh yeah. It's because of shame. And you want to be identified with your herd, with you know. We had a young man that um, we brought out of uh, a gang situation in Memphis a few years ago, and he actually worked in our recreation. And he gave the best testimony when he said, "They would say, why did you get into that? And why did you do?" I mean, he 
he talked about some of the things he did in order to be initiated. Right. He said, I wanted, I wanted to belong. Mm -hmm. And, and he said, you know, I, I, and, and, and I think about the times in my life where the most important things I probably did was just being present for people, for my children, Absolutely. for my wife, for others in, in the church, and how important that was. And I think if there's something that I, I tell people that I wish somebody would have told me earlier uh, is I wish somebody would have said how important the moment is with people that God in, in, angles into your path, how important that moment is. Um, because I think back now about the times that I, and I said, you know, my greatest enemy was always time. Right. And I was always running so quick that I never really appreciated, I think, or enjoyed some of the moments. I remember uh, the first time my daughter, Juliana, we, she was in high school. She was a sophomore in high school. I'll never forget it. And she had went to Chrysalis, which is the walk to Emmaus for youth. And she told her testimony about how she had specifically disconnected from me when she was a child because she was afraid I was going to die. Mm. I took that as she didn't like me. Right. And therefore, my response a lot of times was just well, to stay out of her, her way, space. give her space. When actually I should have... Um, I should have been chasing after her the way God chases after us, the way God has uh, has pursued us, chasing. I, standing I, at the door. Standing knock. at the door or looking over to the horizon for the sun to come home. I, yeah, that and the, oh, the prodigal son. Beautiful. You know, and I think about how important it is. Well, I mean, Luke 15, looking at the horizon, going after the sheep, finding that lost coin. I mean, God is always pursuing us. And then when she gave that testimony, it, it was amazing how almost overnight Juliana and I built this very special relationship in her and still have it to this day that we'll talk about things that she doesn't talk with anybody else. Um, and and I, I would my one of my regrets is, is that I didn't I didn't understand that earlier. But maybe that's, but I understand God, someone said that I don't believe that God is manipulating time, but I think God is making all time matter according to his purpose. Yes. Would, would you, what would you say to that? Well, and here again, I've got this fairly weird, thing. you know, I think the time you told me to pray for something, remember that? Oh yes, that you, God can answer on Monday to something you don't pray till Tuesday. Right. <laughs> I love that because God, God's not sitting around counting how many times not a clock in the heaven. sun is. Yeah. I just don't believe there's a clock in <laughs> heaven. Right. And he's not up there saying, oh, I wish they'd hurry up and get there. <laughs> So let's be clear about what was just said, because someone just went, what? <laughs> God can answer on a Monday something we don't pray until Tuesday. Yeah. Because God is not limited. And, and I, the way I explain that to my children, because I used to say, Uncle Ronnie said this, and they would say, what? I'd say, well, think about it. You know, it's morning right now in Europe right. when it would be night. And I would say, just think about that, you know, that. Time means something because of where the earth is to the sun. You know, God doesn't He's deal outside, in that. Outside <laughs> He's of that. outside of all of that. And, and so it, it's kind of like him foreknowing something. He just knows it. Just knows it. It's no fore. That's but, right. But, you know, and so I think because of that, we, we, um, we do hurry through life. And we, yeah. do, we think, oh, what a mistake parents of teenagers make on that journey. The journey wise for parents of teenagers, I'll tell you right now, hmm. is to listen more than you talk. Oh, wow. That's good. Well, and, and you know. It's good for everybody, but especially, especially those days. Especially for, for teenagers because <clears throat> parents feel like I've got to get it. I've only got a few minutes with them. 
So I've got to just get all this wisdom or all these instructions or all these uh, limits and and what this is what you need to do. Well, I mean, it's the old Charlie Brown. If you don't, if you're not willing to listen to me, I'm not going to be too willing to listen to you. You used to, in your parenting uh, workshops, you used to say that by what age really have you pretty much formulated the moral center of your children? Six to nine. Yeah. Six to nine. They have started to pick up from you what, what, is right or wrong and why I mean there's so many there's so many subtle things you know riding in the car and they glance over at 10 and look at the speedometer you know mm. this says 65 dad you're going 70 yeah yeah we I've think, had that oh, conversation well you know oh that's just not important well for them it is starting to establish how close can I get to Well, I fell into and I fell into a worse trap one day with that. Sarah Grace looked over and and I think I had picked her up from school and we were trying to get to dance or whatever it was. And she said, Dad, you know, you're going over the speed limit. And my response was, well, if you weren't involved in so many things, I wouldn't have to rush. So I'm going to blame you. I'm going to blame you. I mean, it was I think back on how bad a parent I was in acute moments. I think I I think kids turned and our kids were they have a great mother. And so it was it really was a miracle. Miracle. And a great God. And a great God, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, but I was going to say, when we dropped my youngest daughter off at college in San Diego and her mom and I are crying all the way back to the airport, uh, the last thing she did is she came around and prayed for us. Mm. And in her prayer, she thanked God that she had had such a great foundation laid. Now, on the way back to the airport, I looked over at Pokey and I said, can you name 10 things that we really did? to lay that foundation. <laughs> and and the point is, is that it's about the relationship. It's, it's about, about being it. present. And you know what? They're going to have to make their own decisions. But what you really do affect is the you affect the principles of the journey. You, you tell them where to, you know, a journey certainly implies a, a distance yes. uh, uh, and, and going on uncharted. I mean, we're spoiled now because we put in a thing and turn mm-hmm. And 400 feet turn right. But, you know, at one time we had to look at maps. I still remember the book, the atlas. The oh, yes. Stuff. Yeah. You take it out and stuff. And and so. And for those listening who are young, that's a book that actually had places and, had and directions maps, on it. Yes. Maps of each state. Very, very not, important. That would change and you would get lost. That's right. Uh, so, <laughs> but I always wanted my children, if, if something would happen, even though I didn't, I don't think it was as time conscious as you, if something would happen, I said, I never want you to wonder what I would say in a particular situation that you needed direction on your journey. That was always the Bible. Mm. You go, and then I, I truly, I had several men picked out that if you need financial help, go to them. If you I've need the same help, thing. go to them. If you need medical help, go to them and talk to them because we don't think about the journey and the directions we need mm-hmm. as we go. But what you and Pokey did, uh, for new people, that's your wife. Yes, that's right. <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> Ooh, Gumby. Sorry. Oh, I'll be in oh, trouble after this little, one for that. that no, little, I'm just saying most people don't think of Pokey with Gumby. It was I, not, an, it was not an anything. I, Please continue. I think we should continue. Okay, yes. Drop Please continue. But, you know, as, as, we, as we go along, we think that it's the big events of life that our children are watching for that foundation. It's not. Yeah, it's not. If if you ask yours, and I know I've asked mine, tell me some stuff you remember about childhood. It's not the big events that now they thought those were cool. Sure, but 
mine was tickled in the playroom. Yes. You know, I'd come home from work just wiped out, and, and I, all I could do is lay down on the floor <laughs> in the playroom. But they would jump on me, oh, and yes. I would tickle them and things like that. And, you know, it's that kind of relational thing on the journey that causes them to have the map. Mine talk about sacitators. That's what we called it. And that's when they would come in, I would throw them over my shoulder. And no wonder I have bad shoulders <laughs> as an old hemophiliac. <laughs> but I would throw them over my shoulders and I would walk around. And I'd say, hey, has anyone seen Emily? And she's flying around on the back. I, let me ask you this question. This was asked to me actually by someone at a conference one time, sprinter or cross country? What, which would you oh, rather cross be? country. Me too. Cross country for a couple of reasons. Number one is that I'm a little more laid back and number one, country, you, you get to enjoy. Yeah. And plus, now I've never run cross country. I've run some sort of stuff. And you can talk to the people. That's why you, I mean, I didn't play golf for my golf ability. Okay. <laughs> I mean, there's no reason for you to comment I'm on this. Any, there's no reason. <laughs> but the beauty of golf is the journey. This is one of the great truths, friends, that he's sharing right now. <laughs> Confession is good for my soul. Huh? Oh, yeah. You need to tell that story. You need to oh, take this one out, Bryant, that the this little interchange. Uh, Go on and finish and then tell that about you didn't play golf to, oh, oh, for I, your golf yeah. game. Okay. So I didn't play and golf I with you. you. Yeah, I didn't play golf with you because I was a great golfer and I thought you enjoyed by I know you tolerated, <laughs> but the reason we played was for the journey. Oh, it was absolutely. for the relationship. And we had a lot of fun. Like, oh <laughs> you you had a lot of fun playing. I still remember the one time I saw you chili dip one, and, and I made great, I took great comfort in, in that and, and used it a lot. So, uh, so you know, I think that, that that's what we've got to do, and, and we've talked about it the whole time in this time, is that is slow down. Mm. Don't, don't expect, don't wait for the big moments along the journey for God to do something big. Mm. I mean, that's, that's, if you look at the life of Jesus and his journey that we can help people with and life along the way, mm, absolutely. Uh, you know, if, if, if you watch him, some of his most significant things that he told the disciples, now, yes, the sermon on the mountain, he went up on a mountainside, his disciples came to him, he sat down and began to teach them. And you Jesus, know? Jesus is the only human being that I've, that I know of that could do sprint and oh, cross country well, <laughs> very well. 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 Some, some of us try to sprint that are cross country <laughs> people and we fall down, <laughs> you know. And, and, you know, I think for, for a person's marriage, for, for their parenting, I think if you focused on cross country, if you focused on the journey as, as a marathon, um, I, I love watching um, on YouTube uh, high school cross country because these kids, you can tell the ones who are, A, gifted at it, mm -hmm. but you can also tell quickly the ones who've trained well. Right. And training by far is, because uh, I watched this interview the other night and they said, sprinting is about, really is about talent and, and about it's more that person being born with the ability to run fast. Cross country is about training. Right. And I think every one of us can be great in our journeys well, and learn to be wise. That's what the Bible says. Yes. You know, for it's God who's at work in you, both to will and to work for his good purpose. Mm. I mean, you know, and because we, it's, it's almost like Fontaine, uh, so if I date myself again, or one of those big milers or something. Oh, yeah. Actually getting inside of you. Yes. As you run. Now, it's me running, so I have to get out on the track. 
but it's him running in me. And I think we, we get confused about God's part and our part. He's the one who works in us and through us, but we got to be on the journey. Well, and I did not realize that you can train a sprinter to run faster and faster, but they will never learn to run farther. But you can train someone to run well farther, and they actually will become faster. That's right, and that's the journey part. That's it. That's the journey part. And, and you know, where our journey takes us, we talked earlier about our, our you journeys. Know, where we ended up wasn't exactly where we started, how we started. So I think we always have to be available to God and his direction along the journey. Well, uh, we're going to we're going to do something in our podcast uh, that we're calling Mason Jar Moments. Uh, yeah. We have our Mason Jars here for those who are listening. You can hear yeah, it was not totally intended, but it, it wasn't. We've been told we by had. our producer. Yeah, this is what this we're is doing. What we had, so we make use of it. But and I do like I do like the Coke Zero that's in my mason jar but so if we're leaving our folks who are listening with one thing um you know i think we've picked out a scripture that i think's at the heart of what journey wise our ministry is about and that's from ephesians 4 would you uh in just a moment read that uh yes verses 11 on yes so this is ephesians 4 11 through 16 um so christ himself gave the apostles the prophets the evangelists the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow up to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Mm. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love mm. as each part does its work. And I love that because it says, it doesn't say that they're trying to equip you to be perfect. It says they're equipping you for two things, to know Jesus more and for ways of service. That's right. And the more you do that, the more you grow up, the more you become mature. So the next time you face that circumstance, you handle it differently. Um, I was, I'm, I'm awesome the second time around on 99% on of things. Um, first time or first, first time. Okay. But my wife will tell you when I learn a lesson, I normally don't repeat the same bad decision ever again. And I think a lot of people are so afraid of living faithfully to the point they're afraid of making any mistakes. That's going to happen. Absolutely. You're going to make mistakes. I, I'm sure part of that. And, and the, the, the goal that I would tell people, Ronnie, would be try to work your way so you're not making the really big mistakes. You know, work your way into a place, muscle memory is what we golfers call it. To, the more you read scripture, the more you love Jesus and act like it, and the more you pray, you develop a spiritual muscle memory. And, and he rewards that not because we have to earn his love. We have to learn his love. Learn his love. And we know practice makes progress. Yeah, but Jesus makes perfect. All right, thank you, Ronnie. Hey guys, it's Shane. We're so excited that you're on this journey and we want to thank you for joining us. If you like what you hear, it would mean a lot to us if you'd subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star rating and review. And of course, stay tuned to all that God's doing and working to make all of us 
journey-wise. Thanks for listening to JourneyWise, a JourneyWise Network production. 